to him. Look. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew. Everybody, it's Dr. Homebrew. We're here, live quarantine edition. Uh, you know, like that. I guess it's not even really quarantine anymore. It's just avoiding the boomer flu. It's not the boomer it's flu. It's learning how to be a hermit and love it. Yeah. Or it's uh, it's uh, act like JP season for the summer. <laughs> Stay home. Right. Like, yes. Don't go Be anywhere. Quarantined before it was cool. Yeah, baby. I'm a, I'm the hipster. I'm the hipster in this crew. Uh, welcome, everybody. This is Dr. Homebrew. We have a good show for you today, as always. But first, I want to remind you guys about Five Star Chemicals. As if you could forget, Five Star is the best way to clean and sanitize your home brewing equipment. They have PBW, and they have Star Sand, and that's what you need. That's that one-two combo, baby. Baby! So I feel like I just bathe in star sand. I know it's not FDA approved and it does kind of make your skin a little dry, but sometimes I kind of feel like that would be a good idea to have dry skin <laughs> to be like <laughs> cleansed of contaminants. With star let's sand. not recommend it. Like if you're the president say that and it's like, let's just bathe in star sand and this whole COVID thing will be gone. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I feel like, like uh, I feel like well, you could just bathe in it. I mean, give yourself an enema, put it up your pee hole. I don't know. I feel yeah. like I'm just, I've heard that. Know. Some people say yeah. that. I don't say that. But if you insert it up mm. to your pee hole, uh, like an elephant would. Thank uh, you for choosing to watch us instead of the convention tonight, you guys. Yes. Uh, whatever. Oh yeah, there's there's some things. There's some political thing happening tonight. I guess. Yeah. Who cares? Yep. Who knows? The chat like, room is. Uh, See, I did not recommend that we insert star sand into our bodies, ingest it, <laughs> shoot it up. No, no, no. That's some a, people that would say be that. affirmatively bad. Do not do that. Some don't, people don't, say that. Don't do that line. I've never said that, but okay. some people do. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, Ken say. is back with us. Ken, how's it going, man? Good evening again. Good evening again. <laughs> Welcome again. We have a Belgian dark strong this time for, from you. I've been on a big Belgian kick lately. I so, you know, my desert island beer, even though it really wouldn't probably be best on a desert island, but, you know, if I had oh, to only drink hell in my no. life, it'd be Belgians. <laughs> Something to sip on a desert island, yeah. Is, are, are these beers that you've uh, brewed before? I mean, it sounds like it. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so this is the okay. second iteration kind of one. Uh, the first one I did of this um, in the Michigan Beer Cup back in 2019, it took bronze. Um, and another guy in our club took uh, silver for it. So we had a good representation that year for it. Nice. That sounds great, man. That sounds really cool. good. And you've done some Belgian club projects too, or did, I, th- I think on the last show you were mentioning something about a, something your club did with the triple, or some uh, did some other. Guys uh, that's more just me and a friend of mine uh, that we kind of been, we, we've been trying. Yeah, we've been trying to replicate uh, the this yeah. one beer from uh, Belgium, uh, from Bruges. Yeah. Look at All this right. beer. Yeah. So already <laughs> this beer head is vastly, wildly different than your uh, <laughs> one on the last show, Ken. Can somebody teach JP how to pour a beer? This is how you pour a beer. <laughs> well, as, so as a beer judge, you're you're taught to pour the beer straight down to the glass. A, if your steward's pouring the beer for you, they'll they will pour it like this, and that's what yeah. they'll do. It's you know gently pour it down the middle of the glass. Look, Ken, you, you haven't got your scores yet, so I'd be nice to me, okay? <laughs> Wouldn't All right. tip it, but 
sometimes you get a yeah a gusher and then you do have to use caution <laughs> yeah well and uh, you know what we're saying or what i'm saying is that head has not moved in your last beer it would have been halfway down by now the mm. bubbles are tight and so that's what that's sort of what i was saying last time um is that i don't see any big bubbles on the surface like i did on the other one so I feel like on that last it's, bottle, maybe you had something in there. I mean, look at that creamy head. Look at that thing. This is creamy, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's start. JP's just happy to have beer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Uh, Brian Shar, why don't you go ahead and uh, kick us in I the face with I certainly judging. Will. Uh, and Ken, uh, you were on the previous show, but for listeners that may not have uh, listened to that show first, uh, you were in a homebrew club. What is that club? It is the Royal Oak Area Homebrew Club. Excellent. Uh, Detroit. Detroit. Go Detroit. Go go Red Wings. And uh, I, I was going to ask you, how long the have you been homebrew? with you? I've been homebrew for a little more than nine years now. Red Wings. Oh, cool. I, I still, it's a thing that I learned from my ex-wife, and it's been like years, and I still can't uh, divorce myself of the Red Wings as much as I can be divorced from her. So um, <laughs> I'm not totally divorced from her yet either. So maybe it's a, <laughs> maybe it's a, a divorce thing. I don't know. That's a different, um, that's a different episode. That's a different part. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's Jamil's love strong, uh, the, which the, the Red Wings start winning, out. then, then you'll, then your divorce will be finalized to something like oh, that. Oh God. That's might be a while. <laughs> then, yeah. Then in that case, I just got to hope beyond hope for Red Wings or, or something. But uh, that that'll be nice. And you know, it's interesting, Ken. I've you you were talking about brewing Belgians uh, lately, uh, and I I went through a phase like a lot of home brewers do early on, where I was excited about Belgian beer and I drank a lot of it and I tried to brew a lot. And then I kind of got away from it. And as much as I like IPA, and I like IPA. I we've kind of gotten to the point where so much craft beer is just IPA that I'm, I try to affirmatively go look for different stuff. And I find that I'm gravitating more toward Belgians lately myself. I haven't been brewing a lot, but just, just in th- terms of things I want to buy, interesting. I will maybe go buy more Belgians because I, I hadn't for a while. And I love Dark Strong is one of my favorite styles. You know, I've brewed this multiple times. It's a great beer. You can go different directions with it. It's just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun to brew, I think. And uh, that's my long-winded intro to uh, your score sheet. Um, I, I liked your beer. Uh, I, ex- appropriate bottle inspection. It was a bottle, appropriate size, cap, fill level. It was uh, perfectly great. Uh, aroma, got kind of uh, uh, got a high level of malt, uh, sort of a low level of breadiness. Uh, not bread, but bread like you'd make a sandwich with. Uh, no roast, which is appropriate for style. You don't specifically not supposed to have roast malt in a Belgian uh, dark strong. Uh, I got a hint of coconut, which I don't mm. think you added coconut. Uh, I think it's just part of the malt complexity or something. Brian, we can see you on your phone. Your phone, your your laptop <laughs> yeah. camera is capturing your phone. So my my I, brother Jimmy is 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 watching, and he says, <laughs> "Rock on." <laughs> <laughs> So there you go. See, it's show related. You're not in Duluth. He's in. He's yeah. in Duluth. Yeah. I'm not. Right, let's get back on the beer, please. Hi, Jimmy. Nice. No offense, but no one cares. Uh, exactly. Uh, I get kind of a low ethanol, uh, kind of a sweet, perfumey character. Not a harsh fusel ethanol, but kind of a, a good ethanol uh, character in the aroma. 
uh, low raisin, really no off aromas uh, uh, or, or bad aromas in here. So a nine out of 12 for aroma. Uh, appearance is three out of three. It's crystal clear. Uh, it's medium brown with orange highlights. A thing people should remember about this style is that it's a dark strong. It's not necessarily a black strong. Uh, dark, it's like it's dark like a dark beer. It could be like a dunkel, which is a brown beer. Uh, not everything has to be a stout to be a dark beer. Uh, yeah, it can be like reddish brown. You know, it, it, it's yes. not. It's, yeah, it's not. I, I made that mistake early on. When I was thinking about Belgian dark strongs and first started judging. And I hadn't had many. I'm like, this isn't really dark. And like mm. the other judge is like, you dumbass. Just it's, <laughs> it's dark. It's reddish brown. It's freaking dark. You're just get over yourself. Exactly. You know, the head is medium and long lasting. I poured this like 15 minutes ago. And this is a thing that people need. It, on the podcast, they won't be able to see this. If you're watching this on Facebook Live or YouTube or something later on, this is a, not a giant head. It's maybe three two, three millimeters on top of the beer. Uh, and this having saying that a head is long lasting doesn't mean you have to have this much head on a pint for 10 minutes. That's despite you were going for that on the beer in the last show and did a good job with that. But that's not what you know a long lasting head is. Uh, that's you know, so I think people in terms of beer education, beer learning, that's that's good good to think about. Uh, flavor. Initially, the character was uh, malt uh, and some alcohol sharpness, uh, a little hint of raisin. Uh, ethanol comes up to balance the malt, I think, more so than hot bitterness. To me, it was more perceptible than the hot bitterness. It wasn't fusilate. These fusils have a very distinctive, almost kind of headache-making quality for me right away, and a little bit of more sweetness and more, there's a industrial, you know, like you're drinking something that you should be putting in your, your fuel tank or something, not Hand sanitizer, like we have that. Everybody has that nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly right. It's exactly right. Uh, I I didn't get that at all, but I thought the ethanol was maybe a little harsh in in its its perception. Uh, it's well attenuated, finishes long and kind of dominated by the ethanol. So this gives the perception of being a very high alcohol beer. I'll be curious later when you tell us your OG and your final gravity what the uh, ABV on this is. Uh, gave this ten out of twenty for flavor. Uh, Mouthfeel four out of five. Body is medium. Uh, carbonation's low to medium. Uh, high warming, all that is fine. Uh, it's a little harsh from the ethanol, but I don't know that I'd call it astringent, but I don't know that I wouldn't. It kind of falls in that category where you know, the style guidelines talk a lot about what is and isn't astringency uh, and you know the appropriate places in the score sheet for those things. And ethanol doesn't really, it's funny for an alcoholic beverage, ethanol doesn't really enter into the discussion and the style guidelines uh, or how you fill out your, your score sheets, it doesn't really, uh, they don't really discuss if it's a harsh ethanol, is that considered astringency or not? So I, I knocked it off a point for that. Uh, overall impression, I, I think the basics of this beer are on point. You didn't make some of the common mistakes that people make when making a, a Belgian dark strong, uh, which is, you know, the roast malts or, uh, Tons of special B. I, I'm, yeah, that's, I'm guilty of that. I've 
Uh, I made a Belgian dark strong with way too much special B. Oh, special B is good. Let me put it a lot. Oh God, no, don't, don't, <laughs> don't ever do that. You know, it's well attenuated, uh, which is something difficult uh, unless you really understand your process and you have your fermentation process down. It's it's hard to get this to be attenuated all the way, and you clearly did. Uh, so I, I think your your basics are all fine. Uh, I think that the two things that I would suggest are if you did add any simple sugars, which I'll be curious later to find out if you added you know, sucrose, dextrose, or any of those, uh, I might back off on that some because that might contribute to maybe a little more perceived alcohol than you wanted. Uh, and also, as far as fermentation temperature control, uh, I know from the previous show you can do that. Uh, and I'll be curious, like, what temp you had the fermentation at for this. I might think about adjusting that a little bit. But uh, overall, 32, which is a, uh, a very good beer. So thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. Thanks. Wonderful. You're welcome. All right, Brian Cooper. All right. Okay. Uh, the Belgian dark strong. Yeah. So yeah, the head, the head is impressive and it does, it does still stick around there and, you know, it does some nice lacing on the edge of the glass there. This isn't my normal judging glass. I couldn't find my, my little, uh, sample glass, but usually I like to use clear, but the, I think I can work past the logo here from the beer bus, but, mm. uh, the local beer bus guys, which are probably are sadly not doing that well these days. And I, 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 I took a, a beer tour on my uh, a, a birthday uh, last right. year, I guess it was. We went to Rare Barrel. We went to all kinds of good places. Should I get on topic, Yeah, JP? I would be great, man. Uh, Thanks, brother. Um, I really appreciate it. Yeah, my, my buddy streaked in the Rare Barrel. It was great. Anyway, uh, well, my friend's buddy. But that's a long story I won't yeah. get into. Hey, Rose. I'm going to start calling you Rose Nyland from now on. <laughs> um, I, want, I want to hear more about this streaking. Shut up, Cooper. <laughs> Char. Don't distract Cooper. It's I have to late. get to bed, guys. Let's go. Come on. Yeah, okay. Same. I need to eat dinner. In the kid. nose. I agree uh, with the, the raisiny notes, medium raisiny malt notes up front. Um, firm alcohol presence, I would say medium high, but fairly smooth in the nose. It's got a little spicy, peppery quality, um, kind of medium. And uh, seems like a light floral hop in there, pretty low level, okay for the style. Um, you know, medium fruity esters overall. There's no real big fruitiness poking through, but it's kind of general little fruitiness. Uh, you know, seems clean, no DMS or diacetyl. Uh, Appearance-wise, uh, I found it. You know, I, it, it's, I found it to be kind of slightly murky, but um, yeah, a little, yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. It's pretty. It, it, it's this one's harder to see through than the triple, even though it's, it's pretty dark out where I am now. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's uh, poured a, a low light tan head, uh, formed a you know, it, it stuck around for a good while. Um, the the first bottle I poured actually last night, the the head acted differently. It I poured it, and it it had this kind of crackly head that just like went and just like faded almost instantly. So like I'm getting, um, again, some, some bottle variation on this and with bottle condition beers, that's inevitably going to happen, but well, maybe not inevitably, but sometimes you can, you can get a little variation, yeah. especially after some time in storage. Um, it was like, uh, that soda pop fizz thing, you know, and, uh, fizzled out, but, uh, this one actually is a little bit better and, um, doing a little bit different impressions off of it. So the malt 
is lightly in the flavor, lightly raisiny. Um, the flavors overall are, are, you know, pretty light for a style. I would say to me, it, in a way, it's kind of lacking some richness, or maybe there's something that's blocking the richness. Um, it's very dry and has a pretty big alcohol component. Uh, it comes across a little more roughly than than I would hope. Uh, the fruitiness is generally low in the flavor. Um, phenolics are pretty balanced in the malt. Um, the aftertaste is a hint of dried fruit and, um, again, a, a, a little bit of a biting, almost like leathery dry note in the finish that's interesting. So it's maybe, you know, they can get pretty dry and, um, but there should be a little more complexity there to, to push against the dryness and keep it um, a little more interesting. But um, mouthfeel-wise, medium light body, low, low carbon dioxide. Um, the, the sample I had before, it just kind of dissipated too quickly. This one I would say is a little better and um, what would be would maybe score a little better than the one I had last night. Um, it's there's a little a little uh, back to the flavor a little a little hint of sweetness despite you know some some dry quality to it. Um, it's not it's not creamy though, but like the one I had last night was a little sharper and more biting for the style than I thought. It should be I thought it should be a little smoother. This one I feel is a little less um, a little less biting. There was something that probably got away in the bottle in the one last night maybe that did something weird to the head and made it um, made it do what it did. But um, carb more carbonation. Well, it, it was. I don't know that it was more highly carbonated, but it just like the head just kind of crackled away and it was just like mm -hmm. fell to nothing like really quickly. And this one is obviously different to me. It's sticking around. Yeah. So I think I have more what JP and Brian have here. And the one last night was just, was just weird. It just dissipated. But also I have to confess, I kept the box in my, in my fridge and um, I, I just unearthed them from the box last night. So I, it was it was refrigerated as soon as I got it off my hot patio front patio and uh, pushed it into the fridge. But like I had the box was kind of tilted and some of these were um, might it might have still been leaning slightly upside down. So that's that the confession of a <laughs> Dr. Homebrew that means to uh, <laughs> judge the beers more promptly and store them better. But I was like, oh, OK, get the you know, COVID box from the out out exterior world and shove it into my fridge and I'll, I'll mm. wash my hands and deal with that later when it's been mm. decontaminated. But yeah, I mean, anyway, so uh, I'm not sure. Actually, I don't recall for sure if this was one of the ones that was leaning slightly upside down, but <laughs> I, I very gently unearthed them and tipped them right, the ones that were upside down, right side up. It's fine, and again, Cooper. I'm getting off on a tangent. It's, I see it's fine, brother. Here. It's fine. It's cracking the whip. You're doing all right. I love right. you. I love you for being you. <laughs> so um, this one is, and I was wondering if I would taste the difference in in the beers from yesterday to today because I felt guilty for, for for treating your beer like that. Um, there was definitely some alcohol though. It had a a pretty a pretty sharp warmth. Um, there is something a little rough, like a little astringency, a little. Sh sharpness a little bite to it that i would like to be smoothed out a little bit i mean when i think um 
you know, a favorite Belgian dark strongs, you know, the, the Rochefort, you know, the, the 10 or the 12, you know, it's like, it's, it's just deceptively smooth and so alcoholic, but you don't taste it and there's no bite to it. This one's not quite there. It's it's good, but it's not quite there. Um, this beer, overall impression, the beer has a lot of promise. It has a lot of redeeming qualities. And the aroma, especially with that nice raisininess that comes through, uh, it just fell a little flat in some other ways. And I think the sample I had last night was was not as good as one I'm having tonight because I'm enjoying this one a little bit more. Um, lacked some of the... Um, so the, the dryness is part of it too. I think you want to work a balance with your beer to where the, um, if, if you finish out too dry on certain beers, it's going to make the beer fall flat. And, um, but depending on where you started and what's in it, you know, complexity wise, ingredients wise, and how you, how you kept it, um, uh, kept the fermentation happy with these beers, obviously, because that's a big component of making a happy, uh, Belgian dark strong. Oh yeah. But, um, you know, it didn't have a, a, you know, it should have, even though it's not a sweet beer, it should have the impression of sweetness from all the ingredients that are there and everything. Even if, if there's a pretty good dryness there, it, it can get a little leatheriness, but it's balanced with something that tastes sweet uh, from the malt. So um, just uh, the dryness kind of takes over everything else here. Um, need a little less of that biting quality, take care of the yeast, you know, obviously, you know what you're doing, pitch a big, healthy starter and, uh, you know, but yeah, overall, I'd say it's, it's, it's complex enough, but it's not, it's lacking a little bit of complexity that would make this a, a, a little bit better beer. I scored the beer last night at 29, but I think I would probably score this one more towards what Brian did, you know, 31, 32. Um, it, 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 there's a little variation either in my, my handling and storage of it or in the actual bottles that I poured. Cause this one is, is still acting much differently that it fell to a flat, you know, like what's in the top of the bottle here, just, you know, no, no head. Um, yeah. And let, let's note for the record here. We talked about this in the last episode that these are bottles that can very kindly ship to us, but it happened to be the hottest heat wave we've had in a year. And it, this bottle sat on my porch for an afternoon in a hundred plus degree weather, not in the sun, mm-hmm. thankfully, but it was delayed a day getting to me sitting on a UPS truck, probably at 120 degrees inside that truck for a day, day and a half. So this, through no fault of Ken's, this beer arrived to us through less than optimal circumstances. And that may have had to do with some of the stuff we're talking about. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I have the same feeling. I think the ingredients seem pretty good, very good on this as well. And it's just like something something went a little south on this beer and it's probably not ken's fault too much but yeah i mean let's, let's talk about it i would give it i i don't i don't often you know jump jump in but uh when i do um uh, I, I would i would have gone 34 on this one because yeah. there is there is an astringent sharpness to it i think the malt is great i think i think part of the hard the hardest part of one of the hardest parts of brewing a Belgian dark strong is to get that malt character just right. 
You know what I mean? You need the, the balance of raisiny, but you also need to clean it up. It can't be cloying. Um, it needs to be multifaceted. It can't just be, yeah. here's fucking Crystal 120 and Special B, and then, you know, go fucking brush your teeth. Like, it can't be like that either. There needs to be some lightness. There needs to be some mouth. And I think you have yeah. a lot of that. You have a lot it, of layers the, to your crystal malt, I would bet. I don't know. Um, well, the recipe's going to be really simple and a lot of flavor can just come from the dark sugars, you know. It's yeah. Not yeah, it could be really that too. Even malt derived. A sure, lot of times. that's a good point. Um, you know, I I think there there is a little bit of hop character coming through, but not a whole lot, and I, I it's good. It it I think it tastes good, um, but there's that there's a sharp thing going on. So I'd be interested to hear about your fermentation as well. But yeah, I would have thrown a thirty four for sure. Anyway, well, now's your chance, Ken. Go ahead. We're, we're not far uh, apart. We're we're yeah. all within seven. Yeah, yeah. So this, I think I mentioned before, this is one we did before, um, a friend of mine did, and we, we want to try and do a little bit different approach to a dark strong and see if we can do it off. So this recipe has a lot of actually rye malt in it. Um, oh, wow. Probably, you know, a, a more so than normal. And we want it, you know, wow. it was that earthy character of the rye malt. Um, and so you can get that out there to kind of present some of that richness, that earthy richness kind of go along with some of the other flavors that go along with the Belgian yeast. So this this batch itself was a three gallon batch, a little small winter batch I did. It's been about eight months now. So I brewed it back in January this year. Um, Seventy percent Ch uh, Chateau Pilsner malt, eleven uh, percent Weirman rye malt, um, nine percent just clear candy syrup. We didn't do the, we didn't do the dark candy syrup here. We just did the, the clear candy syrup there. So nine percent there, uh, two percent Munich malt, uh, two percent special B in this one. Um, before we did crystal rye. Um, but I did not have enough time. Crystal Rye is a little special order, so I didn't have enough time to do it in this one here. So I substituted out special beef this time instead of the Crystal Rye. Um, we got the 2% chocolate rye, 2% uh, dextrose, and then 2% rice hull, just kind of with all the rye that we had in there. We had to you know, throw some rice hulls in there as well. Chocolate um, rye. That's a good choice. Yeah, that's what we, it, it, it really worked out like the, the, the rye, kind of all those different ryes really, we thought really kind of worked well together. Um, the oh, none, of, none of us picked out the rye either. That's that's really interesting. It, you know, everybody I, goes I picked out a little spiciness, a little spiciness. And and I think the spiciness is going to come from more of the size hop, so because you know, we, yeah. we did two ounces of size hop to 60 minutes for 29 IBUs mm -hmm. um, on there. Um Use the, the triple double from Imperial uh, yeast again, uh, which is West Mall um, yeast from there. Um, fermented at 64 and kept it pretty consistent there. So I used one of the tilt barometers to kind of measure where the gravity and the fermentation temperature is at. So it, it was pretty consistent at 64 degrees um, from there. So we had that. Um, the OG was 1087. The final gravity was 1015 for an ABV of 9.6. Yeah. Okay. Well, what do you guys think? Close enough to ten is call it ten. Yeah, that's yeah. it's. You it's, definitely can yep. tell there's there's alcohol in here. Yeah. Um. So the, the like I said, I I don't know. I mean, in in to be fair, I don't know if the two percent you know special B versus the two percent crystal rye is going to change it. Uh, you know, it's not going to make a drastic difference in the, in the flavor of this one compared to what we did before. No, um, that that's a that's that's a perfect amount. Yeah. Um, now we did do two percent dextrose on top of nine percent of clear candy, uh, the clear um, candy syrup, and stuff like that. Talking, you know, eleven percent of just 
pure, just straight sugar in that, which maybe is going to come down to some of those harsher notes you're getting because, you know, it just kind of got the alcohol up there too much without adding enough body to the beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No dark sugars, though. No, we didn't need dark, dark, yeah. dark sugars. Yeah. What was your fermentation recipe, temperature? Yeah. 60, said, we, we, 64 degrees. Pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that was, you controlled it to a good temp. So there was yeah. no, that's why, you know, any alcohol that I got, it was clear that it wasn't fusel because fusel is what you get when you have that uncontrolled rise to freaking 85, 90 degrees. Freaking. Uh, hey, calm down, Char. Don't use the <laughs> F word here. All, I'm all ah, angled up about fusel geez. alcohols. I don't want to talk about. This uh, frickin' like, generally, for my, generally for my Belgians, I, I like to keep it at the lower end of the fermentation temperature. Yeah. The, the the triple that we did totally in the last agree. episode, I, you know, I, I let it free rise to see what it did. You know, I, I kind of was a different outside of what I normally do for that. But I generally like to try and keep it at the lower end of the temperature range for the yeast that I use with Belgians. Yeah. Is Imperial the one that comes in the can that you don't make a starter? It used to be a can. They used to be a can, but now they're, yeah, but they, they come into 200, 200 billion uh, pouches. Did you, uh, did you make a starter? I don't recall on this. I want to say I probably did being, for most of my Belgians, I generally do. Um, yeah, I mean, you probably don't, I, I don't know if, if, if they say you don't need to, you probably don't need to. But having said that, for a beer this big, I would always make a starter. And yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Your, your process, you clearly know what you're doing with your process. So I don't need to tell you that. Yeah, I think anytime I get over 1060 um, for a you know for an OG, I'm used to make you go to make a starter with that. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. So from 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 the flavor standpoint, it sounded like everybody was kind of saying like the flavors. You know, you could use a little bit more of an oomph in the the malt character, the yeah. the flavor, the richness on on there. Um, you know. I, you know, I definitely don't, I, I, the special B, I think I'd be very careful with, you know, it's like too yeah. much of that. It's like, you know, it's, it's like any other crystal malt, too much of the crystal malt. And it's like, it just becomes clingy sweet and, yep. and stuff yep. like that. Um, the, you know, if, if I look at the rye malt on this, you know, we've got 11 and 12, 13. And if we had to you know, we were looking at like 15% rye malt on this, on this grain bill possibly. I think it's too much. You think so? Yeah. I think it's too I, much. I, agree. I, I would, I would, I would throw. What, what uh, crystal malt did you have? Just a special B. Just a special B. I would throw in a, a crystal fifty sixty, or yeah. s- some something. I would, I would take some of the rye malt out because there is a spiciness to it. And and I, I've, I've, I've read a bunch of people him and Ha about on, on both sides of whether rye actually imparts a spiciness or Spicy, if we right. are just like you were saying, Ken. Maybe it's. The sauce hops that we're tasting. Well, maybe when you use rye in your malt, your or in in your beers, you're sort of hopping with these sort of earthy, spicy kind of hops. So inherently, maybe you get some of that. I've heard some people say you do get spiciness from rye. Some people don't. In my opinion, I would back down on the rye malt. I think it's cool. Maybe the chocolate rye, you know, can stay or whatever. But I would sort of stick to more of like a traditional you know, with some of the crystal malt or, or I don't know. Then again, I don't really know what I'm talking about because I haven't made a Belgian dark strong recipe in, I don't know, fucking five, 10 years. So I don't know anymore. It needs but, some more, so, yeah, some more double like characteristics to it. The raisiness yeah. is there. There's a little bit, but yeah. but there's other richness and a double that like, you know, Belgian dark strong kind of, you can think of as a stronger version of, of a double and it's 
you I'm, know, it, the complexity raises from there, but there's raisin and plum and I've also read and, that and a, a lot of fruit. Yeah. And I think that the rye might be getting in the way of that a little bit. I think it's, yeah. I think it's crushing it a little bit. And I, and I wonder if there aren't those sort of unfermentable, well, non anyway, let me back up. Um, I've also read that some of these, some recipes can be just pale malt and then you supplement all those flavors from the candy sugar. I don't know that to be true necessarily. There's a different, there's different ways to approach it. But I would start with like a Jamil recipe and then supplement some of that crystal malt with some rye malt and see what that what that roundness because you'll get eighty percent or so of 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 that flavor the big round chewiness of a Belgian dark strong um, and then you can you can supplement with some rye malt there. Yeah, and I, I would I echo know. what Cooper and and said before what Jip was just saying, which is you know there's a lot of different kinds of candy sugar. And there's an opportunity to get some flavor in as well as just fermentables uh, with that. And, you know, there's a time and a place for just the, essentially the simple syrup, the essentially just the sucrose or dextrose that's a syrup. But a beer like this, it's just another layer of flavor to be able to get like one of the dark candies or even, hell, get two two different kinds of the dark candy in smaller quantities and mix them if you like. You just mm -hmm. add more, more flavor complexity. Is that this is a beer that you want like a lot of comp it's got a, it's supposed to have a complex flavor and there's a lot of different stuff going on but even if you just changed swapped out a dark candy sugar for the the uh, light candy sugar you used i think you'd get a huge flavor impact from that yeah okay. well, maybe uh, not huge but you get a flavor impact from that well, as opposed to using and I think, you know, part of this beer is the subtleness, you know, it's those little subtle pieces. Yeah. It's not just, you know, you know, a spike and it's one flavor. It's like, you want to have that little bit here, a little bit here. And it's, it's kind of like, for me, you know, it's just kind of like, oh, you get a little bit of this, a little bit of that, that complexity. Yeah. Keep there. it right well-rounded and a yeah. lot of flavors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Um, I like the, you know, it, uh, just since he mentioned Jay, uh, uh, Jay-Z's book here, you know, he uses some caramunic in there, some aromatic and some, some melanoidin alongside the special B, which I think I like, you know, I like a little caramunic um, can add some uh, complexity for sure. You know, melanoidin is a, a kind of a trick you can use if you don't want to, yeah, yeah. you know, use traditional yeah. methods sometimes i don't i don't think they would ever use a melanoidin malt in a true belgian dark strong no. a lot of it just come again from the sugars the dark sugar and the the, the syrups and and get some traditional syrups and play with it and just use a simpler simpler uh recipe honestly but yeah great otherwise i Can mean strength it was you know for for nine percent or so it's you know it, it's going down smooth enough that I can, I can drink a good amount of this. And it's, it's a good beer. It's, it's, yeah. there's a, it, it, again, probably yeah. a little abused and it would be much better if we drank it with you out there, uh, yeah. you know, where you oh, are. I'll, but. I'll, I'll send the next batch off in the winter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> idea. <laughs> All right, Ken. Thanks, man. Right. We'll let you split. Go Cheers, to guys. Thank Thanks. You, Cheers, guys. All right, brother. Thanks, Ken. Later, man. Cheers. All right. Cool. We're going to take a quick break. Everybody we will be right back. Um, with a beer that I don't have, but that's okay. I'm drinking a, a, a Bo Pills from uh, East <sighs> Brother, so I'm all right. Stay tuned, everybody. This is Dr. Homebrew. We'll be right back. Now serving patient number 189. Number 189 to the counter, please. Now back to Dr. Homebrew.
All right, thanks a lot for sticking with us, everybody. We have Tyler on the line. Tyler, what's happening, my dude? I doing all right. Thanks for sending us beer. Um, I was supposed to try to get out to Brian's to pick up uh, the extra bottle you shipped, but uh, I couldn't make it, so uh, I apologize. I don't have your beer to drink, but I will live vicariously through the notes from the doctor's home. It just landed. Yeah, so I'm thankful that you could come on and we've we've got a full show. So, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Thanks for sending JP. I'll I'll give him the bottle the next time I bring something to him anyway. That'd be great. Uh, What beer did you send, Tyler? Uh, I sent a Blondale. Okay. Uh, just basic standard basic Blondale, man. I'm telling you, you got the you got the. Uh, we're looking at you at Zoom. You got the the college uh, banners in the background. I'm te- mm. I know exactly. Of course, it's a Blondale. It's easily slammable. <laughs> I don't know. Now I'm just making. Um, is it uh, something that you've brewed before? Is this your first time brewing a Blondale? Uh, yeah, it's my first time. Uh, pretty much, I've been brewing for five years or so, but okay. wasn't consistent till, till this year. So I'm kind of going through the styles. <laughs> Dude, um, that this, happens. this is the first one I'd say get that came out truly drinkable. Okay. Um, that I could probably make it through the whole, whole uh, batch. <laughs> out of, out of how many, <laughs> how many, uh, uh, you know, previous do you think? Uh, seven or so. Nice. Okay. That's about where I was, bro. I had like, and I was, I was doing that home brewer, like nostalgia thing where I was saving a bottle from each, batch even though i knew that every every bottle that i had opened previously was gusher and was infected it was terrible i'm like why am i saving these for this is stupid so i think it was about seven or eight where i where i was like realized you know what i should probably be doing is cleaning that film out from the spout before i bottle that kind of dumb stuff so um yeah i I mean i looked out my my earlier batches were good but once i started listening to this show and taking their advice my beer got way shittier (laughs) basically oh wait uh yeah no this predates anything because uh yeah that's how old i am uh brian put more dog hair in your mash oh that's true uh who went (laughs) first last time who wants to go first now i did all right cooper you're up you're up baby Pale American Ale. This is an 18A American Blonde Ale. I'm gonna crack this puppy, and yeah, I just again, this this is a beer again. It landed on our porches in. Um, well, this one maybe not 102 degree heat, but it landed <laughs> after it had probably been on the truck in 102 degree heat. Probably, so yeah. That's uh, this time of year. I tell you, it's you know we should just stop the show. For a couple months and like pre-record like catch up in april and may nothing stops the show the show must go on <laughs> it's true okay uh aroma wise it's got a medium grainy malt aroma with a bit of a, a wheat like character um any impression of sweetness is very subdued faint citrusy earthy hop low fruity esters no diacetyl or DMS, uh, getting just a tiny hint of some yeastiness. Um, I wonder if I got a hint of a little bit of a kind of a pumpkin skin like character, a little hmm. hint of acetaldehyde, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing on that one, there was something interesting in there that was not too intense, but it was like, well, what is that? And this, okay. Could be a little pumpkin skin kind of note. Um, appearance wise, it's an orangey gold colored beer with a low white head, mostly finer bubbles, actually stuck around quite well. Um, the beer has a, a slight bit of haze. 
Uh, but uh, that could be also from the transport aspect because we just got this the other night. Yeah. I, I literally like took it off my porch, put it in a champagne cooler with ice and shoved it in a bucket of, of ice and, and, oh, and judged it last a night. Champagne so, cooler. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Slow down. So, one percenter. This one has the benefit of having sat in my fridge for overnight <laughs> and, you know, all the settling that occurs here in one day of fine particles in the beer. Granted, probably didn't do much. Yeah. Well, Jeeves um, probably shook it up on his said, way over to you. Yeah, it, it's been stirred up and there's nothing we can do now. Um, flavor wise. Again, a, a kind of grainy, weedy malt impression, a medium light level, not a very high impression of sweetness, but it's also not finishing very dry. Um, it leaves a, a little hint of sweetness. And there's something else in the malt besides just, you know, boring base malt. It's not, it doesn't, it seems like there's a little something else there. Um, it doesn't have very much bitterness. Obviously, it's not meant to be a super bitter beer. Um but again, what, what keeps coming through to me is the, the graininess, kind of the medium-low graininess that, that lingers into the aftertaste for me. Um, there aren't any big, um, you know, you can have a little hot character in a blonde ale sometimes. This one really doesn't have much in the way of, of, um, of hop character. Um, but it is, it is easy drinking, and there's nothing really attacking your senses here. Um, just a little touch of some, some earthiness and... Maybe a little herbal or spice, but um, you know it's 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 mostly balanced in the malt. There's not a lot of hop in the bitterness or the the uh, the flavor of hops or the aroma. So, but again, the beer is fairly clean, and um, you know the fermentation seems like it went well. Um, good ale fermentation, a little little light fruitiness, but nothing super strong poking out there. Um, Mouthfeel wise, medium bodied, a hint of just got a little tiny hint of stringency, a little. Or maybe it's the graininess kind of biting my tongue too. I don't know. Uh, there's no warmth. It's not very creamy. Carbonation is medium, kind of where it should be. Again, that you know the head's still kind of there. You can rouse it. It's it's uh, it's doing pretty good. It's a good quaffable uh, beer. But uh, you know, there there's something just a little bit biting in the mouthfeel that that takes away a little bit from that. But it's not. You know, I think that the yeast might be adding to that too, like the yeast that that probably got stirred up in suspension, and uh, you know we've got, maybe got have, have some some heat uh, aspect as well. But although I'm not getting like any oxidation in this beer, it seems like it's it's well bottled and um, you know pretty nicely brewed. So yeah, um, no, it's just a well brewed blonde ale. Um, it's may, maybe just a, a little bit underwhelming and that there's nothing that really stands out about it to me. Like there's not an interesting hop or like a really, you know, a twist to the, to the malt. It should be basic and it should be quaffable, but you know, to, to find the right balance, I think I would like a little more hop in the beer. And granted I'm kind of a hops guy, but uh, most of the American Blondales, you know, have a, a little bit of hop. It's not just like a, like a wheat beer where it's just like an American wheat ale you know, this could almost pass for, in some ways, you know, a wheat ale, like kind of beer. It's, it's, it's light and it's got 
maybe there might be some wheat in it. I don't know. It's got that grainy aspect that makes it um, just kind of, okay. It's, it's a malt oriented beer. Um, not a lot of bitterness, anything there. Um, it, the thing that I want though, in a Blondale is for it to also just be refreshing and, and quenching. And uh, to me, the, the graininess is getting in the way of that just a little bit. Um, and a little hop to balance that could make it a little crisper and just kind of, but also it could be again, the yeast kind of getting stirred up and making a little problem for me here. So <laughs> something's modeling the other flavors. Otherwise, I mean, it's a nice example. It's clean. It's pretty much the style. Um, you know, I, I would keep doing this experiment with different malt additions and, and hops to find a good balance and, and, you know, make it a find a way to make it just a little you know, more interesting to, to me a Blondale shouldn't be just completely it's not and it's not completely characterless or anything it's just it's the wheat and the base malt not much bitter, bitterness not much anything else but it's clean so I can't really fault it for much either it's a good drinking beer you can sit at a baseball game and drink a ton of these I give it a 34 it's a very good beer it's a very good beer and I, I like I could I'll probably drink this whole bottle but uh, I'm curious to hear what Brian had to say about it. Don't drink and, my bottle, uh, bro. You owe me. We'll go that. from there. I'm, I'm saving Don't your bottle it. for you. All right. So. All right, Char. All right. So, Tyler, thanks for coming on the show. I got to ask you the question I always try to ask. Are you in a homebrew club? Uh, not yet. No. Um, like I said, uh, you know, just kind of picking it up really this year. And obviously with COVID, uh, while it's given me more time to brew, it hasn't really given me the the opportunity to uh to kind of outreach uh so you're yeah. person, so. he's a lone wolf Shar. yeah you kind of you kind of self-radicalized here so uh <laughs> you'll be able to go meet some people uh some other folks yeah, near you uh, when this is all a little bit over so uh i i gotta believe that uh up where you're at there's a lot of good home brewers who are in a lot of good clubs and you'll find the one that's right for you so that'll be cool uh so uh, I like this beer and kind of to echo what Brian was just talking about, you know, Blonde Ale is supposed to be kind of low in flavor, low in aroma. The style guidelines talk about how it's, you know, a, a, the, the gateway beer. It's probably not the, the thing that they actually, the exact words they say, but it's something that uh, people that haven't, they're used to drinking fizzy yellow lager can drink and have an idea that, wow, there's something else out there in the world than just, you know, Bud Light or something. Uh, so this, this is not a beer that's supposed to be real huge. It's not a pale ale. It's not a hot bomb. Uh, it's supposed to be kind of light and simple and easy drinking. I think it really accomplishes that. Uh, aroma, there's low aroma overall, low malt, no hop aroma, no diacetyl, no off aromas, very, very clean. Uh, gave it eight out of twelve. Again, this this is one of those beers. It's kind of like in a in a sense, this is like a ale version of an international lager that is an all malt beer that maybe doesn't have a huge amount of stuff in there, but as an all malt beer, uh, it's going to have more flavor than a Bud Light or a Lucky Lager or something like that. It'll be cleaner. It'll taste better. Uh, so in some ways, this beer is kind of defined more by what it isn't than what it is. Uh, 
so you did a good job in putting everything in there that should be in there and keeping out the, the bad aroma. It's going to be 8 out of 12 for aroma. Uh, appearance, uh, 2 out of 3. Uh, has a heroic, long-lasting white head. Heroic. Uh, light straw color. Heroic. If it's got a big head, I like to call it heroic. I don't know why. It's sure. Gonna, it's a heroic head. Yeah, it's, it's, gonna, the, it's the Avengers of, of uh, beer head. More like you float a bottle of can- What Earth's greatest heroes... Tyler's blonde ale. That's that's whatever. Kevin Bacon and Tyler's Tyler's blonde that's ale. Right. What do you want to be when you grow up, Jimmy? I want to be Tyler's blonde ale carbonation head. I want to be the you Hulk. Know, probably better than half the things that kids dream of being when they grow up. But uh, probably my little brother wanted to be a garbage man. Thankfully, hey. he went, he was he joined the Air Force instead. But. Respectable <laughs> career, and you get a pension out of it. Just saying, yeah, my brother's and, a garbage but, man. But when he was like seven, that kid wanted to be a garbage man so bad. Oh my god! Uh, anyway, uh, I knocked it off a point because it, there's some chill haze here. We can we'll talk about that a little bit at the end. Wow. Uh, at least I assume it's kind of a chill haze. It's it's you know, homebrew and beer in general. I don't really. There's always going to be some kind of of haze you know, most of the time, but this seemed kind of excessive enough where I knocked it off uh, a point. Flavor, uh, there's a soft malty sweetness up front. Uh, hot bitterness comes up to balance in the mid-palate. The finish is long and balanced a little bit toward malt. Uh, very well attenuated, which I really like. It's extremely clean. I get no off flavors. Kind of low malt, low bitterness overall. Uh, but again, this is very... It's a quaffable beer that you would drink, like Cooper was saying, at a ball game, and you'd have like four or five of these and be happy and not be smashed and just enjoy yourself uh, and, and enjoy that a lot. I gave it 14 out of 20 for flavor. Mouthfeel, five out of five. Medium low body, medium carbonation. Uh, more perky than creamy because it's, it's decently carbonated, uh, which it should be. No warming. It's not creamy, no astringency. Uh, so perfect score on mouthfeel. Overall impression gave it seven out of 10 for a total score of 36, right? Just a couple of points away from what, uh, what Cooper had. Uh, I think it's a really well-crafted beer. You did a nice job with this and you've only been, you've been brewing for less than a year. You said. Uh, consistently for a year. I, I'd done a couple yeah. of batches over the past few years. Yeah. But still, I mean, this is a really nicely done beer for one of you, something you've done early in your home brewing uh, career. So well done. I don't think I made anything this good until I was three or four years deep in the, the hobby. <laughs> uh, there's just there's not a lot to hide behind in this style, and in that way, it's it's like it's like an American light lager or American lager or one of those, uh, where it really shows off your your skill with process. Because uh, there's really there's nothing objectionable in here and to the extent that we are giving it the scores in kind of the mid 30s that we are, which are, are good scores. It's because of it has nothing. They're more like I think recipe issues or minor problems or something. Like, none of them are process issues. I think what you're doing is fundamentally really good, and just keep keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I might add a little more hop flavor and aroma like not a lot this is not a pale ale it's not supposed to be a hot bomb but not more bitterness at all but i might i might bump up your flavor and aroma hops maybe by 
a third, like 30% or so. A maybe, 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 a, maybe, maybe, tw- yeah, a smidge, uh, maybe 25%, but it's a little bit. Because again, you're trying, you're trying to introduce people to flavors and aromas that are pleasant and good, but maybe they're just not used to. Uh, and it would give it a little more distinctiveness. Uh, then also with regard to the haze, and it still kind of lingers as it warms up some too. Uh, I'll be curious if you use like uh, uh, Irish moss or, uh, God, what's that one that I always use from uh, Wolflock or one of those, using something like that in your boil in the, towards the, the end boil. of the boil can really help get the tannins and particulates and stuff out so this becomes the the clear beer that this really is supposed to be. But overall, thirty six, I think it's a uh, uh, that falls in the very good category. So right. you're you're brewing better than I did at this point when I started home brewing. So well well done, Tyler. Thank you. There, but then also on the clarifying, like at the end, like so that your your Irish moss and your rural flock is only going to do so much. At the end, you can also use things like uh, biofine or or gelatin. Uh, to pull out some of the, uh, the proteins and polyphenols and drop the yeast out and, and make it drop bright. Uh, Biofine, bio I like. That's a great one. You know, gelatin yeah. is um, okay, too. Um, you might want to bump up your hop component even a little more because it's going to pull out a lot of polyphenols and drop a little more out mm-hmm. than, you know, it tastes good in the in the, in the the fermenter and then you, you you drop everything out and some of your flavor goes away that definitely does happen so i mean but it's not a pale air an ipa where you have to like oh i need all this hop to stay doesn't matter as much a little more it's gonna it's gonna be fine but there's some clarifying agents that'll make it drop bright nicely and and just cold and time will also help but that you know and i think that's also gonna clear it up and maybe make it a little more crisp and refreshing like i've I was, you know, there's something in there in, in, in the haze that's making it a little bit muddled, but not, not in a bad way. Again, it's a very clean beer. So I'm curious, um, what do you ferment in? Are you using plastic buckets still, or did you graduate? Do you have glass fermenters? Do you have a, a stainless steel? And then is there any wheat in the beer? Cause I'm getting a real big graininess <laughs> as, as you know, like a weediness to it. And so I'll just like, we'll let you talk about your recipe, please. Yeah. So to the to the note on the refiners, I, I did use Irish moss, um, and it came out of the fermenter really clear. And the first couple of bottles, I stuck them in the fridge for about an hour or two, and and when I poured them, they they came out clear. And then next day, I I poured another one that had been in there for a day, and and I was like, where did this haze come from? So that is a chill <laughs> haze, as Brian yeah. Brian called it out. Yep. Good, good, yeah, yeah. Um. Let's see, your, your first question was uh, the fermenters. Uh, I, I did a, sat in a week in a, in a plastic bucket and then a little less than a week or maybe a week in a glass carboy. Um, I, had, I had been getting some heavy yeast flavors on my, my previous uh, couple batches where I had not done the secondary. And, and so I, I tried the secondary and I think it turned out a lot better. Good. Um, no, no wheat in uh, in my <laughs> um, in my recipe. There, there is a heavy hand of Pilsner malt. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Then a little bit of Kara Pils and and Victory. 
I think uh, eight oh five, which is probably the best blonde ale you can buy. I think that yeah. either they they did and they changed it, or they still do have a little handful of uh, honey malt in there to kind of give a little bit of that character that you were talking about, Cooper. So, and maybe that might be something to add in there. It's you know adds a little sweetness. It, it doesn't really taste like honey, but is that little sort of like? Eh, Get Brownson on the line here. Just, just. Mm-hmm. I'll dial him up right now. Hold on. Yeah. Hey, Matt. Yeah. No, you don't want to. No, you don't want to talk. Oh. Well, but I just thought. Never. Don't call you again. But Matt. Hello. No love. Hel- oh, he's gone. You were hung up on by our close personal friend, Matt Brittleson. I can't believe it. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah. So that might be something to try too, to kind of give a little bit of that depth in there too, because obviously I haven't tasted it, but. Blondales can, it's very easy to go into that sort of, you know, flat line flavor with a Blondale because it's a Blondale. You don't want a whole lot, you don't want a whole lot to it, right? But yeah, so that might be As something, a, I don't know. Yeah, enough carbonation to keep it, you know, keep it peppy and it's it's got a, a you know, a lingering, you know, the flavors that are there are good. So um, yeast wise, does just American ale yeast or what did you use in it? Yeah, 1056. Um mm-hmm. The when I fermented the uh, at at this time it was the the hottest couple days yet of the summer that happens um, man every time <laughs> and mm. and that's kind of reason why so so when I brewed I wanted to brew a style that my mom and mother in law would drink um, and so then I also had to um, say okay it's going to be hot so pick a style that that can. Uh, can live with a little bit of a, a warmer fermentation. So, do you at least keep it in like a closet? I mean, you're in the Northwest; oh, yeah. so it's cooler yep. there than here. But I like, keep it in a kind of a fairly yeah. well-controlled temperature area. Luckily, I do have a half basement that I'm I'm sitting in right now, and and our laundry room is east facing. Um, no, uh, there's no vents that go into it. It it actually stays surprisingly cold. It I was able to keep it under 71 for the most part for the first few Good. days. Yeah, I, I started yeah, brewing with no temp control in California, and it would be like, oh, go up to like 78 sometimes in the summer. Like, okay, or 80. You're like, okay, well, <laughs> my friends were like, you shouldn't really do that. Like, oh, I need temp control. Yeah, we all we all start off that way. But, you know, Tyler, I don't, I didn't get any, any characteristics of this beer that make like the fusel alcohols or some of the, the bad flavors that come with those high temperature uh, uh, fermentation excursions. So I yeah you, whatever you you did with your temp you know putting it in that basement worked out good. Yeah, seventy one is re- reasonable. I mean uh, yeah it goes up every, every degree. I think it goes up. You know the ester production goes up by a factor of ten. So you get up into yeah. mid seventies and above, you're you're going to have some trouble. You know, but it's sixty eight to seventy one or so, you're yeah. going to be okay. That's pretty good. Yeah yeah yeah, and you know what, Tyler man, um, I've been brewing since nineteen ninety eight. And I still wouldn't brew a Blondale because they're hard. They're hard to do. And I'm not confident enough to, to in my brewing or my recipe formulation skills to, to do that. So, uh, you know, kudos to you. You got about a 34 or something. That's a great, a very good score um, on a very challenging beer. Yeah. yeah, on a very challenging beer. It's pretty good, yeah. man. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing to hide behind here. Did you? No. So, Brian, did you get any any uh, like in the nose? I I was I, I might have been tricking myself. Nose. Like, pour, pour a little fresh bit and see if you get any pumpkin skin at all. Like, 
All right, let That's me go get... back. Let me go. Let me go in my kitchen and I'll oh, pull God, that. Here room. we go. Okay. We're gonna wait twelve I, years you know, now for Brian Shard. I'm not back. getting it as much. I'm not really getting it tonight. So like, yeah. I think the sample I had last night might have been warmer. Tyler's gonna have four kids by the time Brian Shard gets back. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah. Here we um, go. Um, We're still waiting, Shar. It's perfect timing. Waiting. This is what you do, Cooper. You send Shar off on these little Don Quixote, you know, fucking. <laughs> go slay that dragon, Shar. Oh, yeah, I'm right on it. And he goes. So again, it was it was base malt, and and what were the other malts again? Remind me. Uh, Pilsner, some carapels, and and victory. Pilsner, carapels, and victory. So like the yeah, the victory is what's giving it a little character there. That's a little biscuity. Like a, kind of a, a biscuity character. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Try some honey malt, yeah. man. I'm telling you. Just try it. See what All right, happens. let's. All right, here he goes. Here he goes. No, I think it's just the. You know. You know I'm not. I would have now. to talk. I would have to talk myself into pumpkin. Can you talk yourself into biscuits? Fresh baked biscuits. Yeah, road apples. Fresh <laughs> road apples. All right, here we go. Yeah, I think it's the bis- the biscuit malt was saying something to me, and I just like, what is that? Pumpkin skin biscuit? I'm confused. No, I can't talk myself into that either. It's um, I think the aroma overall to me is at a very low level. Like I said in the last show, maybe I've got coronavirus. Maybe I'm a little bit stuffed up from the, the smoke. Can you talk yourself into wheat, even though there's no wheat in the beer? I can't here. tell if if now, if, if at that, Char, if, if Tyler would be like, you know, I hope he does have coronavirus so I don't get a pumpkin skin comment. You just put Tyler in a weird position now to wish coronavirus on you know, You know what would be fucking awesome radio slash podcasting is me having coronavirus. That would be fucking amazing no. podcasting I, right I there. Yes. You couldn't, you couldn't buy that shit. Oh my God. I don't know. I mean, I, I probably would wish that to not happen. We've but, judged three, three beers together tonight know, from the last show and this show all together. I don't think you have the coronavirus, Brian. Brian. You know what would be amazing is if I just exploded right now. <laughs> that would be... <laughs> <laughs> That would be rad uh, as if amazing I amazing as if I just died right here during Dr. Homebrew. Oh yeah. my god, that would be the yeah. most amazing if no, I stopped uh, on the freeway to ghost ride my whip and got hit by a semi, that would be wouldn't that be uh, cool, guys? What ghost ghost riding your whip? What in 20, 2009 call? Yeah, yeah. On hey, the last the show, we thought man. we had you know the hemlock or or arsenic or something. I don't know. We're just cyanide. Cyanide. Out cyanide. No. Yeah. Cyanide. Hem- I think. No, uh, I'm not. I'm not getting. I'm not getting acetaldehyde in this beer. I'm okay. not getting. The I'm not either. I'm not. That. It's not there. And it's, it's not there. It's it's worth it's worth asking Brian, especially in a beer that's this this light much and has so behind. little to hide behind. Uh, acetaldehyde is always like the flaw that kind of jumps out but tyler that says a lot for your process and how you you boil and everything else that you don't have an acetaldehyde issue with yeah. a beer that if you're gonna have it it's gonna come out in this beer for sure keep work keep working on it though but i would say um you know you've got some glass you've got uh you know you don't have to buy a uh, you know a jacketed stainless steel fermenter but you know glass is good be really careful with it um use you know handle carrier things but um and keep it clean but plastic 
like my first few batches, I fermented in plastic and I had good luck early on. I just followed the recipe and was really careful about sanitation, but eventually plastic is going to get scratches in it and it's a perfect place for bacteria to hide. I had a beer that I, early on in my career, like my third or fourth beer, I won some awards. I was like, awesome. I'll just use these plastic fermenters and I didn't know what star sand yeah. or PBW was at the time. They were your lucky I made it with hot water because I didn't want to put soap in them either. And eventually something probably got scratched. And I had a beer. It was like, I called it Porter gone postal because it mm. was just full of defects all of a sudden. And it's like, oh man, I got to up my game here and get some glass. And Well, I, I am going to be pedantic for a minute, Brian, because that's, Uh-oh. you've met me. Uh, it's not scratches. It's the porosity of the plastic. I'm sorry. I've no. never, I, I've never fermented in glass in 25 years of brewing because I'm scared to death. I've known several people personally who have broken the carboys uh, with or without the hot liquid on top of that, that have had serious ER level injuries from that. Uh, the plastic is cheap. You can change it out once, twice a year. It's not this, but my brother-in-law, who's a microbiologist and a really fine home brewer, shout out to Yan if you're listening, because you usually do. Uh, he's, you know, the, the scratches are like the Grand Canyon and a bacteria is like me. You, you're going to wash that out. The issue is the porosity of the plastic. Uh, and if you don't clean it, uh, if you don't, and if you don't change it out regularly, this stuff will hide in the, the porousness of that plastic. And you just can't get rid of it because it's kind of gotten into the, the plastic itself. Uh, and they have the, that's like the hairs, me. the cilia or whatever that protect. Yeah. The, the, that's probably a better way to look the, at it, honestly. Yeah. yeah. So is there anything, uh, the PETE, like the, the better bottle stuff, is that any better than the uh, the, the, the common well, buckets you it's get? It's in the name. Yeah, I mean, Brian, it's, <laughs> it's better. It's better. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you just look, it's, it's a different... If you just feel it and look at it, it's a different type of plastic. But even that, I would the, – the point of that to me is that it's cheap enough that you can replace that once or twice a year depending – or once every two years depending how much you're brewing and how much you're cleaning it. And you're not going to have any problems. Yeah, it's uh, a blown plastic and you're not think, having, instead of yeah. like a mold. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Actually, it's, it's, a, it's, probably, a, it's a it's a blow blow molded uh, yeah. thing. I'm sure. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I think yeah, that's yeah. that's pretty good advice. You can you can brew really good beer in plastic. People sure. always say you get a plastic taste from your beers. The plastic doesn't really go into your beer so much yeah. at all. Like it, it's it's not that. It's like if you get a plasticky taste, it's probably a phenolic that came from a wild yeah. yeast or something. Yeah. Well, but Tyler, the do you plastic have itself? Yeah. Tyler, do you have anything for the guys you want them to clarify or? Any sort or do you of, want us uh, to shut up? Our familial <laughs> history you want from any of them? This is all uh, all great. I really appreciate uh, cool. appreciate the the feedback um, from from people other than people who have to tell me. Oh, it's great. This <laughs> is really good. Uh, that that yeah, Kid, that yeah. beer is very quaffable, and you did a good job for an yeah. early batch. Like you're you're doing well. Keep it up, and I love early homebrewers. Like the energy yeah. that you have. I I wish I I still had that. I, you know, because of the apocalypse, I might soon have to just brew homebrew everything I drink soon. So, you know, but kudos to you and keep keep the bug going strong and enjoy yeah. the hobby. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And t- right. Tyler, send us some more beers as you yeah. progress. And 
things that are good, things that are terrible. You know, send us things you have questions about or whatever. We'd love to get some more beer from you. Truth. Yeah, sounds great. I've got I've got some some ideas for for the fall. So uh, nice. As things turned out, I'll I'll definitely keep you guys in mind. Please do. Awesome. Very All right, cool. Tyler. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Thank All you. Right. Cheers. Stay safe. All right, that was Tyler. Uh, let's take a quick break. I think we've only done one break, right? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Let's take a quick break, and we'll uh, come right back. We'll wrap things up. It's Dr. Homebrew. Hang on. Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up, you might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Games. The leader in affordable, high-quality kegerators is here. Introducing Comos, the kegerator designed with serious beer drinkers in mind. It features an all-stainless steel draft tower, a major upgrade over traditional chrome-plated brass towers, and Comos keeps your new tower cold with their air-cooled tower fan, wrapping your beer lines in frigid coolness. Your beer is poured from innovative forward-sealing faucets that don't leak, so they stay cleaner for longer. Dual gas inlets on the rear of the fridge allow you to run both CO2 and nitrogen gas. Serve your beer with CO2, serve your kegged wine, or even cocktails with nitrogen. The digital temperature display has the largest range available, allowing you to use the Comos Kegerator for fermentation if you need to. And now Comos Kegerators ship with duo-tight draft fittings for that click-to-connect assembly we've all dreamed of. Buy direct from ComosDraft.com and receive free shipping on your order. That's K-O-M-O-S Draft.com. Examination. All right, welcome back, everybody. This is Dr. Homebrew. Thanks for hanging out. We had uh, a pretty good show for you guys today. We drank a Belgian Dark Strong, and the boys drank a blonde ale. Um, you know, I tell you, you guys, it, it's when, when I was first homebrewing, um, the beer was terrible. Not only that yeah. I made, but I think that, that just people made in general. And Take a can of hops, malt syrup, and dump it into some it wasn't lukewarm qu- water. Yeah, it wasn't Mix quite it with that. Some I missed that that wave by like five years or something like that. Yeah, you know, too. it's like it's like you pick someone's house flavor out. I, I love telling the story because I like, I don't know, I just like making fun of McDolfer sometimes. But uh, Tasty, mm-hmm. when he was first learning how to homebrew, he would he would bring his beer and I go oh man this I can always tell when you make some beer McDowell, because you you know it tastes like bubble gum and it tastes so good and I thought that was a compliment at the time and we all thought that was a compliment at the time because it it was and it wasn't that it was oh bubble gum beer tastes good but it was I can always tell when it's your beer because it's so distinct 
and that was the Janet's Brown, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. And it's like, uh, now we all know how not to do that. But at the time, in the late 90s, early 2000s, it's like, I don't, I don't know. Nobody knows. But now we sort of do, and so we see a lot oh, yeah. of these home brewers who have been brewing for a year or two, or like Tyler said, off and on for five, but recently consistent. And that's what you have to do to keep up your skills. You have to be brewing consistently. You can't just expect to make award-winning or 40-point-plus beers by brewing once a year. You can't do it. It's, you cannot yeah. do it. You can't you know do what, it with, Jason, without... Yeah. Yeah. JP, you were talking about like the early 2000s. I would ju- when I first started judging, like 2002, 2003, I it would be rare to get through, not just prelims but a real competition, and not give somebody the courtesy 13 because <laughs> right. it would be literally because it's you're supposed you could give somebody a zero, but kind of judging convention is you don't give someone lower than a 13. Yeah, and literally every time you'd go judge, you'd have at least one 13, and frankly. I, I, I've probably been seven, eight years since I've had a 13 point beer. Amen to that. Like quality of beer, yeah. home brewing has gone up yeah. exponentially in For all sure. years. So immensely. Yeah. All right. Okay. I think we should well, get we're done here. Yeah. I think we're done. Gentlemen, it's, it's been uh, an honor and a pleasure, if not a privilege. And we'll see you again soon. Absolutely. If you guys want to We're send in for a few good beers, if you guys want to send in beers, email Brian at thebrewingnetwork.com and he will get back to you with uh, addresses and, and uh, you know all that kind of fun stuff for you to send some beers. That'd be really great. And uh, if you want to listen to more content, like shut the fuck up. If you want to listen to more content like this, uh, we have tons of shows on the Brewing Network. And uh, you should follow us all on social media. You'll find us. I don't know. It's fine. Whatever. Um, I hope you guys are doing safe. I hope you guys are being healthy. Brian Shaw, Brian Cooper, any last uh, tidbits of information you want to give to the audience now that I'm done with my talking? Don't die. All right. Perfect. Thanks a lot, everybody. We'll see you later. Later.